School is in session. This is Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School podcast. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, thanks to our friends and partners at GEM. Sharpen your pencils and get your sourcing pants on, because we have the scoop on sourcing news, recruiting tech, and all the hot topics that you need to learn about. Here's your professor, Ryan Leary, with special guests Shelly Steckerl and Mike Batman-Cohen. All right. Welcome back. Here we are again with another episode of Sourcing School brought to you live at HR Tech. Uh, Really excited, actually. Uh, Had a really great conversation with our next guests. That's right. There's a little bit of a triple threat uh, coming to us from AMS. Uh, We've got Bill. We've got Jeanette. We've got Jonathan. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves because they'll do themselves better justice than I will. Um, And we've got really interesting topic. This is going to be a conversation talking about do we build or do we buy? But we're going to talk about thought leadership. So we're going to approach this in a brand new way. So why don't we kick this off? Hey, hey Bill, why don't you introduce yourself first? Thanks. Thanks, Batman. Uh, Bill Cleary. I'm the advisory leader for the Americas for AMS, helping our clients as they transform talent acquisition and in all, it, it, all, across all the different facets uh, and excited about the conversation about buy versus build. I love that. And, and where are you from? Philadelphia. Philadelphia, so the greater like Northeast area. Oh, that's excellent. That's uh, it's really coincidental. Awesome. Uh, Jeanette. Hello. Great to be here. So I am, uh, I head up uh, Hourly. I'm the managing director for Hourly Technology at AMS. So we're doing all sorts of fun stuff to optimize and engage hourly workers for our customers. I love that. And, and Jeanette, where, where are you from? Well, as I was saying earlier, I'm the Jersey girl living in New York. Oh, the greater Northeast yeah. area. Okay, that's, uh, that's really weird. Uh, and last, certainly not least, Jonathan. Hey, everybody. Great to be here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm John Kestenbaum. I'm the Managing Director of Tech Strategy and Partners uh, at AMS. And I'm uh, mostly out in the market trying to understand the evolving tech landscape so that we could advise our clients on what technology is best for them. Awesome. I, I love that. And, and obviously, the trend, if y'all are listening to this and know AMS is this idea of advisorship and really uh, educating companies and enabling them to make the best decisions for themselves as opposed to taking things necessarily over for them. So, so to that point, um, and we kind of discussed this beforehand, and this was a topic that I've, I've never heard talked about. So uh, part of this is actually just me being selfish because I want to know about this. Um, but also, I think you guys will like this. The idea of, of build versus buy, right? We talk about this all the time. I'm sure you guys discuss this with clients. Which, do you build out your... All right. So uh, we talk about buy versus uh, build all the time. Right? You hear people say, like, I'm going to build my own ATS, which, by the way, don't do that. Um, and, and there's that conversation about where the investment goes and what the value add is from doing something all internal versus going out to somebody who may be a little bit of a, a market leader who has, who has more experience. We don't hear the topic, though, about industry thought leadership. And it's interesting because it, is it really this idea of build versus buy? No, it is buy versus hire. When, when does it make sense for companies? And this is kind of what I want to dig into with you guys because uh, triple threat. Um, when does it make sense for companies to hire somebody who's an expert in XYZ, right? Whether that's transformation, whether that's uh, working with hourly employees, whether that's technology and growth. And when does it make more sense for a company to reach out to, a com- to an organization or, or a group of people who specialized in that and have a wider breadth. So uh, I want to break this down into bite-sized chunks. So I'm going to start. Whoever wants to jump in on this first uh, can do that. Um, We're all from New York, so you don't mind talking over others, uh, which is great. Um, So the first one is when a company is looking to implement 
a process or a piece of technology, what would you say their first step is? Not necessarily deciding buy or, or, or build, quote unquote, but understanding their problem more of how to attack that. So, uh, uh, John, why don't we start with you? Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I've had the unfortunate privilege of demoing thousands of talent acquisition technology tools over the last eight years. And if I've learned anything uh, in that process, it's that technology is only as good as the people on process you build around it. And so as companies go to the market to either you know, buy technology or build a process internally, it's super important to understand how meaningfully those two things have to connect together to get the outcomes you need. And I can tell you that every tech vendor will tell you that they either have a feature, it's on their roadmap, uh, they're the best, the greatest, the only, the first. Uh, and, and similarly, uh, service providers will tell you that they can work with any tech vendor, uh, but it's, it's really important to understand that unique processes need to be built on unique technologies and that these technologies, when not optimized, cannot uh, perform the outcomes they need. And so one of the things that I think um, makes AMS special is our deep understanding and our ability to connect those two together. And, you know, when, when a company goes to the market to think about building or buying, uh, it's important to work with someone who deeply understands the connections between people, process, technology. Yeah, I, I love that idea of uh, really analyzing and assessing ahead of time. That, uh, that idea of uh, measure twice, build one, uh, cut once, right? A hundred percent. And I, you know, I think uh, just to go back to the to the homework assignment, which was the question, uh, I was just trying to give some background. Uh, you know, you have to have a business problem first. Uh, you, you you know you can't you can't listen to the problems that you think that a solution provider or a technology can solve. You have to have a business problem first, and then use that business problem to create a business case for a solution, be it an outsourced uh, services provider or a piece of technology. John, are you are you telling me that there's no silver bullet on how to? <laughs> Absolutely not. I am so confused. Uh, Bill, why don't, you, why don't you jump in here for a sec? Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I think I agree with everything Jonathan said. And then step two, typically we start talking about a strategy. How does that strategy then align to fixing your business problem? And then how does that buy build decision support that strategy, right? And then what is that strategy going to drive you towards? So I think the strategy is really kind of the next piece. Right? I think we can, we can get strategy insights uh, by companies talking to their peers. We can get strategy insights by bringing in outside experts. I think they're two different perspectives, right? Uh, and I think they're both very valuable as you're evaluating kind of your overall path forward and, and, and to then you know, really craft that strategy, align it to objectives, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so I'm, if, I'm putting, if I'm putting the pieces together here, this is I assess first the business problem and the areas and then assess what the best path to a solution is. Not the best solution, but the best path to figure out, hey, do we think we can do all this internally? Which, by the way, if you're listening to this, uh, it's that old uh, adage of what got you here is probably not going to get you to where you want to be. So, like, throwing that out there if you're listening. Um, and then uh, it, the next piece, obviously, is how do you decide between uh, the hiring somebody versus going to an expert in, in the market. And we, we had talked about, right, uh, John, which you had brought up. If you listen to a vendor, they're going to sell you on the idea that they are the perfect hammer and everything is a perfect nail um, and, and that may or may not solve your problems. Uh, I imagine bringing in an external person to hire, unfortunately, is going to come with 
biases and skewed perspectives. And you're going to hear a lot of, well, at XYZ company, this is how we blah, blah, blah. And so it's going to be a little bit still of that kind of tech vendor piece where they don't have an invested interest in selling XYZ, but that's also kind of what they know versus hiring a firm that, that maybe specializes in something uh, at a broad range and a broad level of experience. So, uh, Jeanette, we haven't heard from you yet. When, when thinking through when companies would consider, uh, do we just hire somebody who's a, you know, an, an expert in this thing, or do we actually seek a company whose expertise is this thing? What, what goes through companies' minds? What are you seeing in, in your guys' clients? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think one of the biggest cases we haven't touched on, but it's related to answering this question, is around being open to doing things differently. Mm. And I think Tell me more about this. that is really key in the market that we're in right now. Yeah, I, I think a lot of companies say like, oh, yeah, we want to do that, right? I'm sure you hear yes. that. What, but what do you, what do you see after that? So, and, and it's interesting. So, okay, we, we want to you know, optimize or do things faster. And then like, no, 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 but we need to do you know, something, ask 100 questions to a candidate. Right? Like that's, that's, not, that's not candidate fraud. That's not going to win things right now. So you have to really take that step back. And think about, okay, what, one, what's that business problem? Two, what's that strategy? But how am I going to execute and really get there mm. and fully embrace that, right? And mm. so I think looking at your own organization, are you, you know, can your organization do that change? Mm. And are, do you have that culture that embraces change and doing mm. things differently? And if not, then you might really need that outside help to help push that, that change. Because change is hard. But mm. Change is key. But it's uncomfortable. So I, I sure. think there's there's something there to think about that. What's your culture of your company? Uh, I have a couple of interesting anecdotes that we could use that I think highlight some of what we're discussing. So and some of this comes from my own failures that I've learned from. <laughs> so uh, in 2009, I I was running a talent acquisition technology company. It was an online recruitment platform, and I uh, made a lot of assumptions and spent a lot of money building out functionality, technology functionality. Uh, without speaking to the market, listening to the clients, understanding what they need, understanding the business problem. And in that regard, I, in, in that case of what we did was we spent, I think at the time, what was $10,000 building out a referral system. What I didn't realize, because I didn't talk to the market, uh, was that uh, no one likes to share that they get tutoring, but they were never going to refer their friends into the system, right? Mm. Had I listened and identified a business problem and, and listen to the market, listen to my company, I would have understood that that was likely not the best feature to invest my capital in. At the same time, another example is uh, I've seen the same referral technology by the same head of talent be uh, brought into mm -hmm. two separate companies where it worked beautifully in one and horribly in the other. Yes. Um, and so you can't, to your other point, you can't just assume that if something worked somewhere once, it'll work well somewhere else. And I think the lesson that I've learned from all of that also is sometimes you have to take a step back and you have to, you know, bring someone who deeply and intimately understands the space and, you know, um, you know, can help advise you around some of these decisions into the conversation. Yeah, I, I well put good anecdotes. Sorry for the failure, but thank you because we got to learn from that. Um, I want to touch on something, Jeanette, that you had said, and I, I would love to hear your guys' perspective and what you're seeing, which is, uh, do you have a culture that actually embraces change. And, and right now, everybody who's listening to this is going, yeah, we totally do. Stop it for a second. Uh, do, are you still burning your hand on the stove 
consistently on the same burner. Because if you are, that means you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, which is, by the way, the definition of insanity. And so uh, one of the, the things that, that brought up for me, and I would love to hear you guys talk about this, it's amazing how if you're in a relationship, and that could be with a, a best friend, a, a spouse, a, a partner, um, and you're talking about a thing and they could say 20 times, hey, I think we really need to do X, Y, Z. And you go, yeah, let me think about that. And then you talk to somebody else and they're like, have you thought of doing X, Y, Z? And you're like, oh, that's such a great idea, right? And in my example, my wife goes, I've literally been saying this for a year. Um, Yay, you got there, but apparently you had to hear it from somebody who wasn't entrenched in this day to day. How often are you guys seeing that same type of mentality at companies who uh, they may be preaching this change, but until an outside resource comes in to verbalize and validate, it's hard for them to get buy-in. Bill, come on, hit me with it. Yeah. So, so my background, right, went from consulting to software vendor back to consulting. As the software vendor, right, it was per- my my recommendations were perceived as trying to sell software. Mm. As a consultant, my recommendations are seen as trying to help them solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly to your point, I'm saying the same thing. A software vendor sometimes can't give recommendations in certain places because their message is being perceived as trying to push their product in this certain client scenario. Whereas a consultant, I think, has a little bit more ban- more opportunity to provide a perspective, right? That That is going to be listened to. Any idea why that is? I'm uh, asking literally uh, for, for a friend uh, who's curious for their own marriage uh, why, that, why that is. <laughs> I, I mean, a great example. I mean, I, I, I live this with a Fortune 50 company where I was literally told, yes, but your input to the roadmap is going to be conceived as self-serving. And we have a firm that's doing that already with us, even though you spent 15 years in a big four consulting firm. Interesting. Okay. It's that uh, the perception maybe of the, the self-serving, um, trying to get yours type of model. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. So then the question I want to pose is our main talking point. We've still got, you know, uh, four or five minutes. Um, how can companies recognize when it's time to reach out to an expert in the space versus trying to hire a person who's done something similar? Because we're going to run into what, what John talked about, and I've seen countless times. I'm sure you guys have seen a hundred times more than, than I have. I, so weird that this tool was a great fit at company A. And then, lo and behold, that, that head of you know, talent or, or PMO in, in recruitment goes to another company and but so weird. They're also working with that tech. And then the third companies also that they go to working with that tech. And I'm sure it's just the best piece of tech that works for everybody. Right. Uh, but uh, how do you guys kind of assess uh, or suggest businesses assess when it's time to do one or the other? I'll jump in on this one. Do it, Bill. I, you know, I ask my clients often to, you know, we talked about the business problem. We talked about the strategy. I ask my clients to come up with the hard questions. What are the questions that you can't answer? Because you haven't experienced something, right? I think there's an opportunity to learn from an outside thought leader about what they've experienced as they've, you know, kind of tackled these different challenges and have had experiences. Just because, you know, X turned into Y one time doesn't mean it's going to happen again, but we can learn from that. And I think we have to learn fast, 
right? So that we can be successful at the end of the day. And so I think as clients create these, you know, really in-depth questions, if they can't answer those questions and they don't have the resources to answer those questions, it's probably time for a thought leader to come in and bring in, bring up, bring an outside perspective, bring a case study where they've tried to execute against a, a, a complex problem um, and provide that thought leadership. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, I, I'm getting the uh, the two minute warning, um, uh, which is fine. There's just uh, just a, a couple more points um, around this that I think are going to be worth talking to Jeanette and John about. Jeanette, I know you, I know you want to jump on want to jump on in water swarm. Totally. But so I I think there's something around expertise as well, which Bill Bill is really touching on. Right? If you have that internal expertise within your team and someone's done this before, right? Okay, again, what's that problem? What's the strategy? Has someone done this? Maybe they're a new hire. They've come into your company. They've done this before. Well, then that, you know, that's great. That's almost your answer. Okay, we, we can handle it versus you haven't done this before. The market's moving so fast. Go use that outside expert because why reinvent the wheel? People have made mistakes before, right? So failures. If someone has gone through this process, so again, whatever it is, they, they've, made the, they've made the mistakes. They've cut their teeth already. They know. So I think there's a piece there, right? So look mm-hmm. at your own internal team. What expertise do you have? If you don't have that, then go out. You know, obviously okay. simplifying it as well. But think yeah. about that. That's what I would be doing. Yeah, I, I you know, to, to add to that, that's an and, and, and I always like to ask people as kind of my test on this one of, of like, oh, okay, so you've done this two or three times in the past. What's the best tool to solve this problem? And if they answer with anything other than something akin to, well, it depends because every problem is unique, then my immediate thing, my hackles go up and I'm like, nope, nope, you're going to come in with the solution you've provided every time in the past versus the solution that's uniquely appropriate for what we need based on what you've seen in the past. Uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah, for, 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 for sure. And it's also, to, you know, it's a point. It's like, how much time do you have, right? Like, so has someone done this before, but do they have the time and resources to really focus on, on what the issue is? So that comes down to it as well. And a lot of times we know people are under-resourced. So can you just bring in something to like plug in, help, to get you over to that, you know, ne- next point? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. The time, time is money, right? We time all hear that, money. but like, are you actually acting yeah. on that, right? Am right. I trying to learn how to build a no-code automation with Coda? No, hire somebody to do that. It's not worth the yeah. time. Are you trying to figure out a process that you know other companies have done? Why? Right. Um, and how fast can you get that done, right? Time oh, is running yeah. the speed, right? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I know for most companies, when you, when you post an open job, you can get that high-level thought leader filled in three or four days. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what is, what, how important is actually getting to the, the market? And, and, and my last point, I want to hear what you think about this, John, is I, and it's going to be a weird correlation. Ready? Companies who really focus on strong DEI components. The idea being, hey, everybody's unique. We can't treat each person that they're the same or they're going to learn the same. They're going to communicate the same. And therefore, the way we train them should be the same. Their tech process, companies are really bought into this. Uh, and as they should be, that humans are all unique. And therefore, while you may have 80% of the foundation, that last 20% is really what's going to make the difference of the success of your organization. And if you're a company who values DEI, wouldn't you want to approach your own growth, your technology, your transformation, how you interact with your employees the same way to say, hey, that one approach is probably not going to fit for everybody 
wouldn't it be better to have a broader perspective so that you could deal with all the different types of problems and road uh, roadmaps, uh, speed bumps that are going to come up. So, uh, John, let me hear from you, uh, and then we'll close this out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say that every conversation I have, uh, the first question is, okay, what's the answer? You know, what's the best tech for me? My first answer is, uh, you know, are you trying to get me killed? Well, you know, what's my favorite yeah. one, right? Uh, the, the second answer usually is, it depends, as you said, because uh, it really does depend uh, on, on the unique situations, what your tech stack is, what integrates with what, you know, what, what solution, you know, what your business problem is that we need to solve. Do you have a problem of getting too many applications or a problem of not getting enough applications, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think D, DEI is imperative for every organization, uh, you know, as a, you know, it, this, this is a baseline uh, that you have to be thinking about uh, always. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's good that organizations have started to uh, be more thoughtful about uh, paying attention to it. Um, to me, this is, this is table stakes uh, and, and everything, uh, you know, that, that, that should, it shouldn't even have to be a point of conversation uh, other than the fact that we have to be aware of it to make it happen, uh, you know, and to drive the right behaviors. But it, it just, it should be something that is given with every technology and every process. Love that. Should be ingrained in our DNA. Yes. Okay. So our closing, it's how I like to close. I told you guys this ahead of time. So I hope you've been thinking real hard. Uh, you have one thing that you can share with all of the listeners right now that you hope hits their head, hits their heart, hits, hits their, their entire being. Uh, what would that one thing be? And, uh, and we're going to start with you, Bill. You know, the, the original question was buy versus build. And that can seem like a simple question. That can seem like a simple answer. I'm going to buy. I'm going to build. I think that there's a lot more to the question around how does your strategy support that decision? And then where are you going to go? And how are you going to get there? And I think that there's a really interesting dialogue to have with, you know, intern, in, inside your organization, outside your organization about creating the path to success and kind of what are the key things to get there and how can you learn from, you know, the, the others who have done it before you. I like that. Looking, looking behind to go forward. Um, Right. Understanding what expertise means. Jeanette. So I love this question. And what's really coming to mind hearing what Bill was saying is it's a piece of being okay when you're making changes with taking some baby steps. You don't have to do everything at once. So, you but know, I want to do it. I want to get right? everything like, done tomorrow. Let's, so let's, you know, that's the idea, right? But it's being okay with, hey, you know, you're going to crawl before you walk. You're going to walk before you, you know, run. Like, and I think being thinking about that. And I've seen that work really well when people are going to, you know, make changes, whether it's with the tech and look at like, let's just, you know, do it in this piece and let's advise and let's look in this because otherwise it's almost, you know, are you going to bite off too much right mm. away? And so I think being very measured and thoughtful about that. Mm. Yeah. I, I, really well. I like that. I like that conceptually as an employee, that would be really tough because we're we as employees are held to SLAs, right? And like, you've got to get this thing done. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's another use case for um, uh, buy versus build, right? Is, uh, is this going to affect this person's SLA uh, as an employee to do this the right way? And if the answer is yes, probably bring in somebody else to do this so it can be done the right way and not negatively impact 
someone's perception of what success looks like in their job. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's a great point. John, close us out, man. Yeah, so I'll move just uh, to another point we mentioned, which is uh, that point about what to do first. So circling back to that first question, uh, technology is not the answer. 100% of the time that I've been involved in any kind of business transformation, technology has not solved completely a business problem. The future is a combination of tech and touch. And so it's really, really important as you go through any kind of digital transformation or, or journey of deciding about building or buying, you need to make sure you have a business problem first, that you, you, the problem is with people and process, and then you bring in technology to solve those business problems and create efficiencies. I love that. Uh, triple threat from AMS. Thank you guys so much for being here, giving us your time. Uh, we'll definitely be following up again. Uh, y'all gave some really, really cool insight into a topic I've never heard discussed. So uh, thank you from all of us. It's over. You've been listening to the Sourcing School Podcast live at HR Tech in Vegas, sponsored by our friends at Gem. For all other HR, recruiting, and sourcing news, check out recruitingdaily.com.